Thank you, Brother Greg, for doing a wonderful job leading us in our singing. And thank you to all of you who are here this morning to worship God and give praise to Jesus the Christ. I'm so happy to see all of you here this morning. I believe it's been a beautiful day and a wonderful time of fellowship together in the Lord. I want to begin by doing something that I don't do too often when I begin a sermon, but I want to do it for the purpose of this lesson. I want to begin by asking for a little bit of crowd participation. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've ever, if you've ever gone fishing before. Have you ever gone fishing? Wow, my goodness. Nearly everybody. That's amazing. Nearly everybody has gone fishing. You know, I went fishing for the very first time back in 2018. I was laboring with a congregation in Middle Tennessee, and I told uh, one of my friends, one of the deacons there, that I had never been fishing before, but I've always wanted to. I told him I've never been fishing, but that's something I've always wanted to do. And he said, well, you know what? That's what we're going to do. So he came by my house a few days later. He picked me up. He took me out to the Tennessee River. We got in his boat and he said, I'm going to take you to a spot in this river where I catch between 20 and 30 fish every single time. I'm going to tell you something. He told me that I, I got excited. I got, I got really, really excited. I, I believed him. I, I took his word for it. But when we got out there, something must have been, something must have been wrong with me. I must have had a problem. There must have been some bad vibes on me that those fish, that those fish could, could sense because you know how many fish we caught that day? We were out there about three or four hours and we didn't catch 30 fish. We didn't catch 20 fish. We didn't catch 10 fish or even five fish. We caught three. We caught three measly little fish. He caught two and I caught one. I caught the first and only fish that I've ever caught in my life, but we still had a great time. We didn't catch a lot of fish, but we had a great time. We enjoyed each other's company as brothers in Christ. And if you're wondering why I told you that story, well, let me say there are a couple of reasons why I told you that story. First, I told you that story to warn you. I want to warn you by never asking me to go fishing with you. I want you to understand that if you ever ask me to go fishing with you, I'll go fishing with you, but there's a possibility I might drive all the fish away. I seem to be the wrong person to have tag along with you if you want to catch a bunch of fish, but you know who isn't the wrong person? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the right person to have in your boat if you want to catch a bunch of fish. And if you don't believe me when I say that, then you wouldn't, you certainly were not listening very carefully to the scripture reading this morning. Going back to the scripture reading this morning that Brother Paul read for and read for, for it from in Luke chapter 5, I want you to notice how there in Luke chapter 5, we read about a critical moment in the ministry of Jesus. We read about the moment when Peter, the apostle Peter, began following Jesus on a full-time basis. It's the moment when he went all in. It's the moment when he got really committed. It is the moment when he decided to dedicate himself fully to following Jesus. Do you remember Mark chapter 1 in verse number 18? Remember in Mark chapter 1 in verse number 18, the Bible says that there was an occasion 
when Jesus was walking and he saw Andrew and his brother Simon Peter fishing. They were casting their nets into the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus told them to follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The Bible says they love everything, and they follow Jesus. Matthew says the same thing in Matthew 4 and verse 20. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 20, the scripture says that Jesus sees Andrew and his brother Simon Peter casting a net into the sea. They were fishing. He told them to follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The Bible says they left everything, and they then started following Jesus. Question, question, why in the world did they do, do, why in the world did they do that? Why in the world did Peter do that? Why in the world would Peter leave his job Leave his profession, leave his source of income to follow some carpenter out of Nazareth who said, I'll make you a fisher of men. Why would he do that? Well, the answer to that question is, is obvious. Obviously, that wasn't the first time Peter had met Jesus. Obviously, by that time in Mark's gospel and in Matthew's gospel, Peter had already figured out who Jesus was. He had already met Jesus. He had already experienced Jesus. He had already seen Jesus do a lot of amazing miracles and give a lot of great teaching. Peter didn't just quit his job to start following some stranger that he knew nothing about. That would be foolish. That would be foolish. Peter had already met Jesus on numerous occasions. In fact, here in Luke chapter 5, we find an account and it's exclusive, exclusively found in the Gospel of Luke. Here in Luke chapter 5, we see exactly from Luke what caused Peter to leave his job and begin fully following the Lord. And so here's what I want to do this morning. Here's what I want to do. What I want to do this morning is I want to go, I want to go fishing. I want to go fishing. I want to go fishing, not on the Tennessee River, but I want to go fishing on the Sea of Galilee. I want to go fishing with Jesus. I want to go fishing with Jesus and the Apostle Peter, and I want us to learn some things about discipleship. I want us to learn some things about commitment. I want us to learn some things about what it takes to fully follow Jesus. And let's begin with this right here. Let's begin by first pointing out that in this text, in Luke chapter 5, one of the things we learn about discipleship is we learn that being a disciple, we learn that following Jesus involves coming to him with flaws. It involves coming to Jesus with flaws and problems and imperfections. And in, in the case of Peter, we all know, we all know that he was certainly a flawed person, right? Oh, yes, if there's anything we know about Peter, we, we know that. We, we have his flaws revealed and preserved in the Bible for all time. I mean, he denied the Lord not one time or two times, but three times on the night before the Lord was crucified. He also said a bunch of foolish things at times. And he wavered in his faith at times. And he was involved in hypocrisy one time. And he was in competition and being selfish against the other apostles. And there was even an occasion when the Lord looked him in the face and called him the devil. I mean, how would you like for Jesus to look you right in your eye and call you the devil? Say to you, get behind me, Satan. 
That's what happened to Peter. Peter had a lot of flaws, a lot of issues, but he wasn't, he wasn't the only one. He wasn't the only one. You know, all the apostles were just like Peter. All of them were. All of them had flaws. All of them had problems and issues. All of them had a lot of baggage that they brought with them when they initially came to the Lord. In the case of Matthew, what was Matthew? Well, Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew was a tax collector for the Roman government. In Matthew's time, being a tax collector wasn't something you went around bragging about. Most Jews, the vast majority of Jews in that time, looked down on people like Matthew. They looked down on tax collectors. And what about Simon? Not Simon Peter, but Simon the Zealot. You know what a zealot was? A zealot was viewed as a terrorist at that time. A zealot was viewed as, as a rebel by the Roman government. Zealots were not viewed in a positive light in the time of Jesus. They were looked down upon. And don't forget about James and John, the two brothers, the sons of Zebedee. Remember, there was a time when they wanted to call fire from heaven to burn up and destroy an entire Samaritan village, a village that had men, women, children, grandparents. You talk about some guys with some, sing, with some serious anger and temper problems. And what about Paul? Who was Paul? Well, Paul was worse than all the other guys combined. Before Paul became the great apostle Paul, he was first Saul of Tarsus, and Saul of Tarsus hated Christianity. Saul of Tarsus persecuted Christians. Saul of Tarsus went into the homes of Christians and he pulled them out of their homes and he threw them in jail. Saul of Tarsus took pleasure in seeing Christians die. He wanted to destroy the church, stomp out the church, obliterate the church from the face of the planet. He was worse than all the other guys combined. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's nobody in this room who's tried to destroy the church before who's persecuted Christians, who's gone into the homes of Christians and separated them from their families. I'm pretty sure that in this crowd of 180 or 190, nobody here's done that. Saul did it. He was a bad man. All of the apostles, all of them were deeply flawed. They had problems, they had issues. They had major areas in their lives where they needed to change their thinking and their behavior and their character. They were just like David that we studied about this morning, and yet Jesus still picked them. Jesus still chose them. Jesus still wanted these guys to be his disciples. And let me tell you something, just like he wanted them to be his disciples, you know who else he wants? He wants you. And he wants me. He wants every single one of us. He wants every single one of us to be his disciples, even though, like Peter, we got problems. We got issues. We're deeply flawed, and we got a lot of baggage that we're bringing to the table. Go in your Bible, please, to Luke chapter 5, but drop down to verse number 30, please. In Luke chapter 5 and in verse number 30, the Bible says that here Jesus in the context is he's at the home of Matthew, the tax collector. 
He's spending time in the home of Matthew. Matthew's throwing a party, a reception of some kind, and he's got a lot of his tax collector friends there. And, and the Pharisees don't like that Jesus is spending time with these people. They don't like that he's eating with these people. And so in verse 30, it says, The Pharisees and the scribes began grumbling at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why are you doing that if you're supposed to be the Messiah? And Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Notice who Jesus came to call. Jesus said, I came to call sinners. Who are the sinners? Well, the sinners include people like me. And they include people like you. They include people like every single one of us. All of us have been called by Jesus. All of us have been called to discipleship. All of us have been called to righteous and holy living. All of us have been called to repentance. It doesn't matter who you are this morning. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what your background might be. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter what your culture may be. Doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter if you don't have a whole lot of education. Guess what? Most of the apostles, they didn't have a whole lot of education. It doesn't matter if you do white collar work or blue collar work. It doesn't matter if you can afford some nice church clothes or if you're able to locate right now where Genesis is or Revelation is or if you've committed a bunch of mistakes in your past and you got maybe a criminal record. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, if you're willing to answer the call of the gospel, if you're willing to answer the call of Jesus, if you're willing to answer the call of repentance, the Lord will accept you as his disciple because he loves you and he died for you. That's the gospel truth. And we learn that when we study what happens here in Luke chapter 5, discipleship involves understanding that when I come to Jesus, I'm coming to Jesus like Peter. I'm coming with flaws. I'm coming with problems. I'm coming with baggage. But another thing we learn about disciple, discipleship is discipleship also involves obeying Jesus even when it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Even when it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Go back to Luke chapter 5 where Brother Paul read from this morning. Let's start again with verse 1, please. Verse 1, we'll go down to verse 7. Now it happened, Luke 5, 1, that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Now that's just another way of saying the Sea of Galilee, okay? And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon Peter answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But I will do. But I will do. But I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners and the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. So let's break down what's going on in this text. Let's start with verse number one. Notice how by this time in Luke's gospel, Jesus has become very popular. You see that? He's very popular at this time. He's so popular that he's at the Sea of Galilee and the crowds are pressing him. 
They are suffocating him. They are swarming him at this time. And he gets into a boat. He hops into a boat that was owned by Peter. Now, who is Peter? Well, Peter is a fisherman. Peter is a professional, commercial fisherman. You know what that means? That means unlike what I was doing on the Tennessee River a few years ago, Peter's not doing this for fun. Peter's not doing this to relax. Peter's not doing this just to have a good time and hang out with his buddies. No, Peter's doing this to feed his family. This is his job. This is how he puts food on the table. And let me just say that eliminate from your mind how you fish because it's nothing like this. This is some hard work Peter's doing. This is back-breaking, blue-collar work. This is hard work. It involved using two boats and having big nets that were extremely heavy, and you had to pull the nets over both of the boats, and you had to circle the fish and throw the big nets out into the water and pull the catch back into the boat, and it was, that was very heavy. I mean, this is some hard work. You got to have a strong back for this kind of work. This is some hard work that Peter is doing here. And when Jesus meets him, he is done. You know what that means? You've done your shift for the day. He's done with his shift. He is tired. He's fished all night. He's ready to go home and he's ready to be with his family. But Jesus jumps into his boat and he actually uses that as a pulpit. Did you notice that? He jumps into Peter's boat. And he gets away from the from the land a little bit. And he begins teaching the people, preaching to the people from the boat. And once he is done doing that, he tells Peter to do something really radical. He says, look, this is what I want you to do. Go back out into the deep. Go back out there into the sea. And you take those big, heavy nets that you've just spent the last couple hours cleaning. And you throw them back in there and throw them back in the water again. Throw them back out there again. Throw them back out there for a catch. Peter essentially says to Jesus, that doesn't make a lot of sense. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Wait a minute, wait a minute now, wait a minute, Jesus. Stay in your lane, I'm going to stay in my lane. You're a preacher. I'm a fisherman. I do this for a living. I get paid like this. I'm experienced. I'm a professional. I've been doing this all night. I hadn't caught anything but if you say it, I will what? I'll do it. I'll throw him back out again. Peter obeyed Jesus, even when it didn't make a whole lot of sense. And what were the results? Well, the results were amazing. The results were remarkable. I mean, Peter had so many fish in his nets that, 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 that the nets began to break. And these are strong nets. The boat began to sink. Peter needed some help to get all these fish back to the shore. That's what the Bible tells us happened on this occasion. And we learned something very important here about something we talked about a couple of weeks ago. We learned something very important here about faith. We learned that faith, once again, like we studied two weeks ago, faith involves obedience. Faith involves obeying Jesus. Faith involves obeying Jesus even when it doesn't make sense to me. Even when it puzzles me. Even when it makes me kind of scratch my head and wonder what's going on here. This is something that we need to remember 
when we start struggling to obey difficult passages in the Bible. This is something that we need to remember when it comes to Mark 16 and verse 16, where Jesus says he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. When I struggle trying to figure out how that makes any kind of sense, I need to remember what Peter did here. I need to remember this when it comes to Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 43, where Jesus tells me to love my enemies and pray for people who hate me and, and want to see me fail in my life. This is something I need to remember when it comes to Matthew 5 and verse 11, where Jesus says that there are blessings found and being persecuted for the kingdom of God. This is something I need to remember when it comes to John 4 and verse 24, where Jesus tells me I can't worship him and worship the Father just any way I want to worship, but I got to do it his way. I got to do it in spirit and in truth, even if it's not very popular, even if it doesn't make me feel very good. I got to remember these things. You see, while some of God's commandments don't make a whole lot of sense to us, if we're going to follow Jesus like P Peter did, we still got to do what Jesus says. Still got to obey him. Still got to submit to his instructions, even if those instructions don't make a whole lot of sense. Discipleship involves coming to Jesus with flaws. And, involves, and it involves coming to him and obeying him when it doesn't make a lot of sense. But let's add to this point. Let's add this point, that it also involves humility. Humility. Did you notice the humility of Peter in the text? Look back at the text, Luke chapter 5, verse number 8. After Peter witnesses this great miracle performed by our Lord, in verse number 8 it says, but when Peter saw that, he fell down. He fell down at Jesus' feet saying, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the great catch which they had taken. You know, we're often pretty hard on Peter. I've been hard on Peter today. I've been hard on him. I pointed out flaws. I pointed out issues that he had in, in, in his life and in his faith and in his character. I've, I've mentioned to you this morning how there were times when, when Peter said foolish stuff. We know that. He was impetuous. He lacked faith at times. He denied Jesus. He was involved in hypocrisy. According to Galatians chapter 2, I pointed out to you, I pointed out to you this morning that Peter had a lot of flaws, but to be fair, you know what else I need to do? I need to point out that there were a lot of good things about Peter. There are a lot of wonderful things about Peter. There's a reason why Jesus handpicked this man to be an apostle, and one of those reasons is found right there in those verses. While Peter had a lot of issues, notice how at the end of the day, he was a very humble man. He's a humble man. Unlike the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees who scoffed at Jesus and had hard hearts towards Jesus, Peter had reverence towards Jesus. Peter was in awe of Jesus. Peter was willing to acknowledge the holiness of Jesus and the sinlessness of Jesus and how he wasn't worthy to be, be in the presence of Jesus. Peter had great humility towards the Lord, and that challenges me. That challenges me in a powerful way. That challenges all of us in a powerful way. It challenges us to ask ourselves a question right now. And that question is, am I like Peter? Am I like Peter? Like Peter, do I understand who Jesus is? 
Do, do, do I understand the truth about his identity? Do I understand that because of his amazing power, he is everything he claimed to be. He is the Lord. He is the Christ. He is the perfect and sinless son of God who died on the cross for my sins. And I need him. I need Jesus in my life. I need the Lord to come into my life and give me his grace and his love because I'm a sinful man, just like Peter acknowledged here. Peter has great, he has great humility, and we got to have humility. We got to have humility. We got to have humility towards Jesus. We got to understand that the first step to becoming his disciple involves being humble. It involves understanding how great he is and how little and feeble we are. It involves understanding that we are sinners and we deserve to be lost and we can't save ourselves, but we need Jesus. We need the Lord. Discipleship involves humility, meekness, reverence towards Jesus. But let me add to that, that it also involves sharing in the work. Sharing in the work. Look back at verse number 10. Chapter 5, verse 10, we're just going through the text. Verse number 10, after Peter acknowledged his sinfulness before Jesus, it says that, and so also were James and John. These are the men who will be apostles as well. They are partners with Peter and Andrew in the fishing business, obviously. The sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, this is after Simon acknowledged his sins, do not fear. From now on, you, you will be catching men. So notice, notice how we have a shocking verse. That's a shocking verse. You want shocking verses in the Bible? There's one to circle right there. This is a very shocking verse in the word of God. Notice how after Peter acknowledges the truth about himself. After Peter acknowledges his sins. After Peter acknowledges his imperfections. After Peter acknowledges his flaws before Jesus. Jesus didn't say to him, well, you know what? You're right about that. You are a wicked man. You're a sinner. Now get out of my face. Don't look at me. Don't talk to me. You jump back in the sea and swim back to shore. Jesus could have told him that, but he doesn't tell him that. He doesn't tell him that. Instead, he calms him down by telling him not to be afraid. And then he invites him to join him in his work. He invites him to join him in the work of spreading his gospel. What an amazing, what an amazing thing that is. What an amazing thing that is to read about in my Bible. What an amazing thing it is to be invited personally by Jesus to join him in his work. Do you think that's how it works in the world today? Do you think your favorite sports team, do you think your favorite football team, your favorite basketball team, baseball team, soccer team, do you think they're going to invite you to join them in their work? Then they're going to invite you to do that? You know they're not going to invite you to do that. The only thing they're going to invite you to do is spend money. Spend money on the tickets to the games. Spend money on the jerseys. Spend money on the hats and the other memorabilia. Spend money on the, on the special channels you need to watch all your games. That's what your favorite sports team is going to invite you to do. They're not going to invite you to join them in the day-to-day -day operations. 
they don't think you're smart enough to handle that. They don't think you have enough experience and wisdom to join them in that. They're not going to invite you to give them input on who they should draft and who they should pick to be free agents and who they should pick to be the general manager and the head coach and the assistant coaches. Our favorite sports teams don't ask us to join them in their work, but Jesus does. Jesus does. Jesus invited Peter, and he also invites us. That's exactly what Mark 16, 15 is. Jesus says, go in all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. That's what Matthew said in Matthew 28, 19. Go in all the world, make, the, make disciples of the nations. That's what Paul means in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, where Paul says, but we have this treasure, talking about the gospel in earthen vessels. That's us. So that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. The Lord, the Lord God actually wants our help. Are you kidding me? He wants us to join him. He invites us to share with him in the most important work on the planet. That's what the Bible says. The question is, have we accepted that invitation? Have we accepted that invitation? Have we accepted the invitation from Jesus to be his disciple and learn from him and grow in him and become like him and join him in the work of spreading the gospel? Listen carefully. I believe this very strongly. I believe very strongly that if we really understood how much of a privilege it is to be invited to join in the work with the most important person to ever walk on this earth, we might get more motivated to get involved in the work. We might get more motivated to accept an invitation from him that he does not have to extend to us. We might develop the courage to finally invite those next door neighbors to come here to church and learn the Bible with us. Or to ask our coworker for a Bible study. Or to ask those classmates and those teammates and those family members who are not Christians to just go to our website and check it out and, and consider the numerous Bible resources we have on there. If we understood really how much of a privilege it was to share in the work of Jesus, maybe then, maybe then we're going to get motivated enough to get involved in it. We get to share in the work of Jesus. But that does bring us to one more thing I want to bring up very quickly. And that is from this text, we also see that discipleship involves sacrifice. It involves sacrifice. It involves sacrificing for Jesus because he first sacrificed for us. Look back at the last verse in verse 11 of Luke chapter 5. What does it say? After Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men, you're going to be catching men. In verse 11, it says, when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything. That's the key word. They left everything and followed him. There it is. There it is. There's the moment Mark was talking about in Mark 1 and verse 18. There's the moment Matthew was talking about in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 20. There's the moment when Peter became a disciple. There's the moment when Peter began following Jesus. There's the moment when Peter was 100% all in with Jesus. The text says that when Peter began following Jesus, he left everything. 
He left his job. He left his daily routine. He left his way of life. He left it all and began devoting himself fully to following Jesus. He began devoting himself fully to traveling with Jesus and listening to Jesus and eating with Jesus and learning from Jesus and being trained by Jesus to carry on his work once he was gone. Peter sacrificed a lot to begin following Jesus. And the question is, have we? Have we? Have we left everything to follow Jesus? Don't misunderstand what I mean when I ask that question, okay? When I ask you that question, have we left everything, I am not suggesting that Jesus has called us personally to leave our jobs and leave our professions like he does with Peter here in this very specific case. That is not what I'm, what I'm suggesting. I am not suggesting that Jesus has called us to leave our jobs as engineers or leave our jobs as teachers or doctors or lawyers or factory workers or, or mechanics or construction workers. That's not what I am saying when, it, when I ask that question. The Lord has not called us to leave our jobs, but he has called us to leave behind sin. He has called us to leave behind the sinful things of this world. He has called us to leave behind sinful, sinful habits and sexual immorality and unlawful relationships and evil associations and lying and filthy speech and uncontrolled anger and pride and selfishness in anything that will prevent us from having a relationship with a holy God. You see, like in the case of Peter, 2,000 years ago, even today, following Jesus requires sacrifice. It requires giving up stuff, giving up the things that Jesus says we have to give up. It requires putting him first, learning from him, committing ourselves to him, growing in him, striving to be like him in every part of our lives. And so here's the take home. Here's the take home. Unlike when you go fishing with me on the Tennessee River, a lot happens when you go fishing with Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. When you go fishing with Jesus, whether on the Sea of Galilee or anywhere, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to learn about his power. You're going to learn about discipleship. You're going to learn about grace. You're going to learn about love. You're going to learn what it takes to be a follower of Jesus, and my final question is, are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a disciple? Have you answered the call to leave behind a life of sin and begin joining him in the work of God? If you've not yet done that, but you want to do that, you have an opportunity in the next couple of minutes to do that very thing. After we sing this invitation song, you have an opportunity to respond to the call of Jesus, the call to be a disciple. The call to submit to his gospel through faith and repentance, acknowledging sin, turning away from sin, confessing him as the Lord, and being baptized so that your sins could be washed away. Or if you're a disciple here and you haven't been a very good disciple, you haven't been serving the Lord with all your heart, if you need some prayers or encouragement, we will be more than happy to help you as well. So if there's someone here this morning who needs to respond to the call of Jesus, come to the front right now. Let's stand. Let's sing together.
I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down, thou weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, weary and worn and sad. I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give the living water, thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus and I drank of the life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched, my soul revived, and now I live in Him. I heard the voice of Jesus say, I am this dark world's light. Look unto me, thy morn shall rise, and all thy day be bright. I looked to Jesus and I found in him my star, my son. And in that light of life I'll walk till traveling days are done. Please be seated. Thank you, Sean, for two fine lessons. One of the things that you need to learn if you're a fisherman is how to tell fisherman stories. You're supposed to embellish the other way. Just kidding. No, just joking. No, wonderful lessons. Thank you for all the work that you put into them. Thank you for all the teachers who put the work into the classes. Uh, for those who did not have a uh, chance to give earlier or they have their visitor's cards, please raise your hands and two men will come to you with baskets and they'll be able to collect those from you at this time. Uh, Greg, thank you for your song service. And Chuck, thank you for your thoughts at the Lord's table. Uh, we appreciate uh, both you men. Uh, work group two today. So if you're in work group two, that is Stan Thompson's group. Please make sure as soon as service is over, you go back to the big classroom. So that way we can make sure that we're uh, touching base with those of our uh, congregation that might need help or need some encouragement. So that'd be work group two. Uh, this week, it is uh, week seven of our uh, Growing with Paul. And so that's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 starting tomorrow. So uh, please keep up with that. Uh, and we have the weekends available. So if you get a little bit behind, you can catch up on that. Uh, we have uh, singing this Wednesday night. So we have uh, singing dedicated once a month. That's going to be this Wednesday. We are going to now transition to the projector screens. And so uh, Greg sent me something I'm going to read. I'm going to make sure I read it, get it right. So this upcoming Wednesday is the third Wednesday singing night. We'll be using the projector songs, and all song leaders should have uh, received an email yesterday from uh, our song team group with instructions for leaders to submit, submit their songs. We encourage all, he underlined it, I'm saying it, all, so that way you guys know, all song leaders to participate in Wednesday night singings. If you have not received the email, please contact Ryan Dart, Greg Nelson, or Nelson Stevens after services. This is really important because these men put in a lot of time behind the scenes to make sure that the songs are, are put together so that way they could be up on it. And having multiple men all meshed together doing the song service that uh, evening, it's important that we set them up for success so that way we could get all those songs 
put together in the PowerPoint. So please, please, please make sure that you get it to them. If you haven't got the email and you are wanting to be one of the song leaders, get with them so that way they can get your email and send that to you. Uh, and we want to encourage those who are newer song leaders to participate. Uh, the, the reason why we have the song service, first and foremost, is to glorify God but also to learn new songs and also for those who are learning to become song leaders to get the experience. So please, please, please take advantage of that. It's, uh, it's important. So reach out to one of those men if you did not get that. Also with regards to uh, the Growing With Paul, uh, Sean has been hosting the uh, Zoom class on Thursdays at seven o'clock. Uh, I've sat through several of them. I'm there at work listening. Even if you can't be a participant and actively have your face on it and talk, still participate by listening. So strongly encourage everyone to jump on those Thursday at seven o'clock. He's doing a fantastic job of leading it, but it also it's wonderful to hear other people's comments and everyone just kind of come together in the evening and go over the, the topics that we're reading about. Uh, with regards to the congregation, we have many of our congregation that are fighting cancer. Let's please continue to pray for them, pray for their healing, pray for their encouragement and, and their strength. Uh, let's uh, keep our dear sister Annette in our prayers. Uh, uh, she's back with us, so thankful to have her uh, after uh, our dear brother Dwight has passed away. Uh, she did uh, give me a card that I would like to read here. It says, Dearest brothers and sisters, God has taken care of me these past several weeks through the love and care of each of you. I am so grateful, humble, and thankful. When I needed encouragement, there were cards, calls, emails, texts, and visits. When I needed physical help with caring for Dwight, you were there to help. When I was so exhausted and overwhelmed to even cook for myself, someone was there with food. You have, you have held me up with your love throughout the hardest time of my life. I will be forever grateful. Your sister in Christ, Annette Holden. We love you, sister. Let's rally around our sister as uh, she has some transitioning to do. And uh, Dwight's in a wonderful place now. Uh, let's be, uh, be there for our dear sister Annette, and we thank you for that card. Uh, we do have many that have procedures coming up, so let's keep them top of mind. Uh, we have uh, Darlene Doak, who has a mass removal on March 20th, so let's pray for uh, a positive outcome from that. Uh, Riel uh, Pepper has a, a kidney removal procedure to be scheduled yet, so let's continue to pray for that. Pray that that can happen soon and, and we can get you on to better things. Uh, uh, Sherry Watling has a sinus surgery coming up on the 17th. Let's pray for that. Uh, Rick Watling has an angiogram uh, March 20th. So we got some big things to pray for. Uh, God uh, hears our prayers. So let's, let's not shorten the arms of God by not praying big. So let's pray for all these individuals. Let's continue to pray for our dear sister, uh, Sharon Prince, who uh, she's struggling to try to get back to a better quality of life. So let's uh, pray for her. A few that weren't in the family talk that I just wanted to mention, uh, Greg Austin reached out. He just got back from D.C. Uh, uh, he's been there for a little period of time. He got back and he was sick, so he wasn't able to be here today. And also Tristan, Dakota, and Raylan aren't feeling well, so they're not able to be here. I'm sure there's some others that I, won't, I haven't been told about, but let's, uh, let's pray for all those who are sick. And also for those who are on roads to travel, we got spring break. We have some of our college kids back with us, which we're very thankful to have. But we also have some college kids that might be traveling or just some families that are traveling across country so let's pray for their safety and also let's continue to pray for um, Dakota and Ashton as they are both uh, in the family way as we say and pray for good pregnancies and and a good health for them uh, 
that's everything. Let's be back here at seven o'clock for the singing. We need singers on uh, that singing night. So look forward to seeing a full house on Wednesday night. We will now stand and sing Theophany number 88. High above the seraphim sounds an everlasting hymn. Voices echo through the hall and shake the temple wall. Living creatures bless the king, four and twenty elders sing. Worthy he who overcame the word of God his name. Praise the seed of Abraham, do Sing of him in glory slain, Lord God Almighty reigns. Shout the broad brief prophecy, he who was, will ever be. Kings of earth have passed away, the Son is Lord this day. Night to night I come to him. thousand sing I fall before the king soon will he be changing me clothed in immortality swallowed up in victory and evermore to be amen we're dismissed Show up just the right time.